Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, August the 4th, 2022, and we are continuing our study of the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution, page 23, the fourth paragraph. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, reading through to every case long before it is suspected and sharing on that. The readers for today are the 12 Steps, Kelly I, 12 Traditions, Kathy M, and readers of the text, Heidi B, Christina L, and Dara L. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, August the 23rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, 19321, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 19322. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll now ask Kelly I to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. This is Kelly I, compulsive overeater in Indiana. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. 
Thank you, Kelly I. And Kathy Ent is going to read the 12 traditions for us. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Kathy M. from Michigan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever a non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kathy M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. In the chapter, there is a solution. We're on page 23, the fourth paragraph. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic. Heidi B., could you get us started, please? Good morning, Heidi B. from New York, gratefully recovered for today. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may never arrive. He has lost control. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in particularly every case, practically every case, long before it is suspected. 
So um, these first two sentences are really what um, are uh, popping out for me today. Um, I decided to look up the word tragic, the tragic truth. Um, tragic is causing extreme distress or sorrow. Um, you know, and it's, it's talking uh, from the prior paragraph about um, our family and friends. And for me, my family are all um, compulsive eaters and they, um, you know, they didn't necessarily have that wish for me, but um, my friends certainly did. And, you know, it just, there was some like feeling of um, sadness around my not being able to pull it together. And for me, um, the, the words like extreme, right? Like it's extreme sadness. And um, I think Fred calls it a crushing blow. Um, and then, you know, it says, I think Bill is trying to be, um, you know, soft here when he says the happy day may not arrive. For me, I have to cross that out and say will. It will not arrive. Um, it did not arrive, you know, uh, as long as I was not relying on higher power and working this program. And then it says that um, he has lost control. And I don't know why I decided to look up the word loss, but loss is denoting something that has been taken away or, and or cannot be recovered. Um, and control is the uh, power of influence or power over. And, you know, that's exactly the definition of what this disease is for me. I lost um, and could not recover the power of influence. I cannot recover the power of influence. I have lost that power um, and it cannot be recovered. I have to rely on a power outside of myself. And, um, you know, I'm just, you know, I think about, you know, that, that invisible line. I don't know when I crossed it, um, but it's, you know, at a certain point I crossed that line and there's no turning back. Um, and that, you know, like that was a crushing blow. Um, this, the idea that I did not have the power um, took a really, really long time to accept. Um, but when I did, it was, uh, it was a real blessing. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, Say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Victoria L. from Muncie, Indiana. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. Three people came in at once and I heard nobody. And then I heard Victoria L. Can we try again, please, for those early people? Jennifer C. Jen H. Stephanie R. Great. Let me tell you who I heard then, please. Let's see if I missed anybody. I've got Jennifer C., Victoria L., Jen C., and Stephanie R. Did I miss anybody? 
Okay, would anybody else like to join our lineup this morning? Felicia S. from New Jersey. Great. All right, let's go with that lineup. Jennifer C., Victoria L., Jen C., Stephanie R., and Felicia S. Jennifer C., could you get us started, please? Press star one to unmute, Jennifer. Hey, good morning. Jennifer C., recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, So as I was reading this paragraph, um, and thank you, Heidi, for the lead, I was thinking about, um, I had like a vision of being in the ocean and, you know, you're swimming and you're having fun and, you know, all of a sudden you're you're too far out, right? You're too far out at that point. At that point, you need to be rescued. And somebody's got to come in and somebody's got to save you and pull you out, right? We've all seen those um, situations where the person just goes too far um, for their own good and they have to be rescued. And that's, that's what this is all about, this addictive process. And it's not just with food. It's with my thought patterns. You know, it's with these addictive thought patterns that my mind has come up with over the years before I ever knew that my mind was coming up with them. And that's the thing. There's no room for condemnation with this disease. There is no room for self-deprecation. And we feel the shame of it because these are shameful acts that we become a part of. But the truth is there's no room for shame. Because we went too far without knowing we were going too far. We came up with these ideas before we knew we were coming up with these ideas. And, and that's the bottom line. And all that really matters is now what, right? Once we get the memo, once we know, okay, now I'm in the, the, the deepest part of the ocean and I can't save myself and I'm drowning, now what? We have a rescuer. We have a rescuer, full-time rescuer, and thank God for that. And that's what we come into in this program is we come into this world of knowing that there is one rescuer, and, and, and his name is God. So thank you, God, for these steps. Thank you, God, for, for rescuing us. And I, I just, if you're in the food, if you're in the addictive patterns of your disease, just remember there's no room for condemnation. There's no room for beating yourself up. There's only room for reaching out and grabbing your help, which is all of us and the hand of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jennifer C. Victoria L., it's your turn, followed by Jen C. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L. I live in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, Thank you, moderator, and everyone for your service on the meeting this morning. You know, the book talks a lot about lack of power is our dilemma. And, um, you know, I'm a real hardcore compulsive overeater. I've been in OA in various means since February of 2012, and I only have about 40 days of abstinence today. And I'm so grateful even for those because I've watched how the disease has progressed. 
I've told people and sponsors, you know, I've lost and gained over a thousand pounds, 10 to 15 to 20 pounds at a time. I'm not the person who gained a hundred pounds and lost it and regained it and lost it. I've done it in increments over and over and over again. And, um, and then just kept relapsing. And then, you know, I said on another meeting that a sponsor finally said to me, you can't really consider it relapse if you've never fully taken step one. And, um, you know, now I have abstinence back again. I have some neutrality around food. I'm working the steps. I've had some great sponsors. I've had a run of terrible, mean, horrific sponsors whose goal was to control and dominate as opposed to be helpful and loving service to others. And it doesn't really matter. All that really matters is whether I've actually turned my will and my life over the care of God and realized that the power to restore my food sanity doesn't come from me. It comes from a higher power. And, um, you know, this time around, the weight is coming off really, really slow. And I'm on the most strict food plan that my doctor has had me on in the 10 years I've been in OA. And I'm kind of forlorn about it. But I realized, too, that, you know, maybe even in that there's God because if the weight had come off really fast, I would have taken credit for it and tried to take my, my, my control back. Um, I'll just wrap up with this. I had a friend here visiting me from New York recently and uh, a couple months ago. And I hadn't seen her in like five years. And I was in the food at the time that she was here. And all I could think about was getting rid of her so I could go to my favorite ice cream store. And then eventually I dragged her there and dragged her to this other place. She, she wasn't really interested in those places, but she could act, she made a comment because she could actually see like how desperate I was to get to those places to get my fix. And um, I, I hope to God I never have to go back there again. It feels so good to have the clarity of mind and all the gifts that come with recovery. And when I focus on the weight, you know, they say you focus on the weight, you lose the recovery. I have to focus today on gratitude on all the gifts I have in this short abstinence that I have back and just be grateful to be back on the road to recovery. And I'm just so grateful for OA and the grace of the people that um, call and reach out and are compassionate and understand and share from their heart. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria L. Jen C., it's your turn, followed by Stephanie R. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. This is Jen H., like in hat, from Virginia. Thank you. Thank you. And I, uh, it took me a lot to be fully convinced that this disease is as serious as it is. And I, as many times I've relapsed and many times I've thought I was fully conceding and the relapses, I just am here to attest, they get worse. They, and mine amplified, uh, pretty vicious. The last couple were pretty vicious. And, um, I just, I do today fully concede that I have no power. I have no control. Um, and I thank God that, um, my higher power is willing to just step in whenever I turn to him, you know. Um, and anyway, I just am really grateful to be absent, to be working the steps, and to not be doing this in my own selfish way, full of self-knowledge and not getting anywhere. Um, and I would just encourage anyone to stick around because it does get better. Um, and that's all I have for today. Thank you. Thank you, Jen and H. 
Stephanie R., it's your turn, followed by Felicia S. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Stephanie R. from Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you much, so much for your service. Um, while I was listening to the lead share, the one thing that really hit me, literally took almost the air out of my lungs, was the extreme sadness. Um, when I was in the food, I was so sad, and I don't think people maybe outside this room understands the depth of the sadness that can occur when you feel there is no other solution because the food seems like the only thing that would solve my problems at that time, and yet sometimes I felt like I could take my life because I was so sad about my need to eat to stop the feelings because I was so afraid of the feelings. And it is through the grace of this program and through my higher power that I have been able to experience really joy. And I don't know if I ever had that joy prior to program, um, maybe in bits and pieces, but when I turn my day over to my higher power, I find that um, I, I have those days where there are runs of just joy, and they're not coming from me. They're coming from my higher power, and they're supported through the people in these rooms. And as I grow in my recovery, I am not by any means perfect, and I have those days when I find a very thin connection between me and HP, but I have the hope and the strength and the humility to know that I am not in charge. And I'm so very grateful I'm not because when I was in charge, I was in the food, and I was sad, and I was very, very um, lost. I'm just really grateful to be here, and I'm really grateful to have heard that extreme sadness because that was my life for so many years. And today, I have a real light inside of me, and I'm so very grateful for that. With that, I will complete my share and pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie R. And Felicia S., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Felicia. Felicia S. from New Jersey. Thank you all for your service. Um, those who uh, do service for the meeting and those who, who do service by sharing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm back a little bit over a month and I've been doing this on and off for 40, 40 years. Um, and that extreme sadness, that sense for me of hopelessness, that there is, this will work for everybody else, but it will not work for me. Um, that's not what the book tells us, right? It says if I'm, you know, a compulsive eater of, of this type of the hopeless variety, there is a solution. Um, and I just heard a lot of hope in, in today's shares and uh, just wanted to get in here and claim my feet and, and uh, be grateful that today I'm not in the food. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia S. For those of us who might have come on the line a little, a little bit later, we're continuing our study of the big book. In the chapter, there is a solution. Page 23, the fourth paragraph. 
the tragic truth is that. So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Rossam. Noel J. Leanne W. Renee A. Okay, so far I heard Russ M, Noel J, Leanne W, and Renee A. Would anybody else like to share? Judy N. Linda B. Great, we've got our lineup now. Thank you, Russ M, Noel J, Leanne W, Renee A. Judy N and Linda B. Russ, could you start us off, please? Thanks, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. Russ, I'm a government compulsive reader from uh, Northtown, Pennsylvania. The tragic truth, right? That that day may never come. So many times. Um, yeah, I thought I thought I'd taken my life. I you know, I. I I just thought I was so screwed up, I'd probably screw that up, too. I wouldn't be able to complete that. And, uh, you know, that day, I don't know if it's come, but I'm getting damn close to, to, to being freer in my life. You know, it's a process. 45 years of being in a binge, you know, it's going to take time to get to get regular, get, get normal. But it's only through the steps and living this way of life, you know, and having to be demolished, having to be just wrecked to accept help. Because I knew, I knew everything. I knew it all. Even even when I was in school, even when I didn't really have an education, I I knew it was right for me. So, you know, I can only worry about me. Yet you see people in your family that are battling. You know, you you, you want to shake them up, but you can't. You got to do it with your with the way you're living your life. And I'm still not doing a great job at it. You know, great, I'm out of the food and I have a spiritual life and I'm developing it. But I need to be out of the food and or out of my emotion. I need to be out of life beating my rear end up on the littlest things, just like I am out of food. It takes time to do that. Uh, you know, I hate this disease. I hate what it does to everyone and that we're strapped with it. Yeah, we got an out. We do have an out. If, if we just do what this book says and try to live this life and get closer to God. Because that's the only way we're going to get free. You know, money, power, all, all the horseshit of this world is not going to do anything for us. A spiritual life is going to get us free. And half of the time, that's the reason why we're eating in, and doing heroin and doing coke because we can't deal with life. So 
now that I just went on a something down another rabbit hole. <laughs> I I appreciate y'all and uh you know, I wouldn't be on this line if it wasn't for uh God twelve steps in this especially this meeting. Alright, love you. See have a beautiful day. Thank you, Russ M. Noel J, it's your turn, followed by Leanne W. Good morning, Noel. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Noelle, compulsive overeater. Um, wow, so, so grateful for this meeting at 7 a.m. every morning. Um, I'm 30 days abstinent, working with a recovered sponsor. Uh, on step two, heading into step three. And this paragraph is just really hitting me today. Um, I remember being in school and given an assignment to um, describe tragedy of what a real tragedy is. And I guess the idea of it, uh, at least in a literary sense, is that you're living your life or you're operating, you know, as a normal human being would operate, but you literally have no control. There's something in it that's like a trap for you. And that's that's how this disease feels to me. It's like I am, you know, how did I get here? I will be at point A, headed to point B in some type of way and over at F. And I'm like, how how did this happen? I don't even understand how this happened. Um, and just listening to the shares today, I realized I was in relapse for a year. For like a full year, I had come into the program, I had gotten abstinent, I worked the steps through, and I got cocky, and I felt like I had it, and I felt like, you know, I I even remember like feeling so much better, and hearing people speak about relapse, and being like, how could you relapse after you come from just this horrible condition to feeling so much better? Um but I wasn't working the steps. I wasn't working with a sponsor. I wasn't serving. Um, I wasn't doing any of the things that the instruction manual of the big book tells me that I need to do. So today I'm grateful for that relapse um, because I feel like this time around I understand something and it's it's sinking into me uh, in a completely different way, but it does make me realize even now in hindsight my mind wasn't even clear enough to realize that I had gone past the point of no return deeply into my relapse. It's only now that the brain fog is starting to clear a little bit um, and that I, that I see it. Um, and I just want to say, like, I am so grateful for my abstinence today. And I knew that I needed to come back to OA. I knew that I needed to find a sponsor and work with someone six months ago, but I wasn't ready to. And But I was still coming to these meetings. I was still getting up every morning, listening to the 7 o'clock. Sometimes I would even put on the 7 o'clock, fall asleep, and then be like, okay, I need to get on the 10 o'clock because I fell asleep on the 7 o'clock. Um, and just hearing folks say, keep coming back, putting yourself in the vibration of this, there's a reading in one of our pieces of literature, thank you, that says if you put yourself in the room when the truth comes to you, when you're ready for the truth, you'll be able to receive it. So thank you so much for listening. I'll pass. 
Thank you, Noelle J. Leanne W., it's your turn, followed by Renee A. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. Um, and I am struck by this, excuse me, this part. Um, he has lost control at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic. He passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. And so as I think about what loss control means to me, I always just related that to the food. Well, I lost control of the food or I lost control of this or that. But it's really, for me, it's my life. I've lost control of my life because I, you know, I always use the food as the solution, which I hear all the time on this meeting. And for some reason, I had this block. And it was like, as as long as I could make sure everything was okay and I could control my food, then life would be all right. Then, um, and if I could control the food and get to a certain weight, then I would be okay. But it's really about, I mean, I've lost control, period. It's in, it's, you know, it is a tragic thing. And uh, it's a tragic thing, but it's also a great thing for me because once I've, recognize that I've lost control, then I can see the recovery. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And, uh, you know, I also, as I'm sort of flipping back and forth here, I'm looking at um, where it says previously, there is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game. And I'm thinking about that. I mean, it's, it's not a game here. You know, I treated it, I think, like a game as I tried to manipulate the scale and I tried to manipulate my food plan and I tried to manipulate my sponsors. You know, it's I, I think I treated it like a game while I tried to control everything. And once I admit that I'm absolutely powerless, and, and somebody had said it earlier, you can't relapse if you never took step one. And it's like, it's amazing to me that, you know, I would just keep saying, I would say, you know, oh, I, I went off the diet or I went off the food plan or whatever it, while I'm still trying to control everything. And it's not until I humble myself and say, I am absolutely powerless over my life, my scale, my family, everything. Once I say that, then I'm free and I can work this program. So I'm just really grateful to be here. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne W. Sorry, Noelle J. I'm sorry. I'm mixed up now. Thank you, Leanne W., I believe. And Renee A., it's your turn. Good morning, um, Lynn. Thanks for your service. Renee A. Recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I um, wow, yeah, this is such a powerful paragraph. You know, our disease is cunning, baffling, powerful, and it is truly tragic. Um, in the in the you know the most true sense of the word. You know, as I read this. Um, where it talks about passing into a state where the most powerful desire 
to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. And I remembered the latter days of my eating career. You know, I did not want to eat. There was no one that wanted to stop more than me. I was desperate to stop. This disease was about to take my life. I, I, don't, I just want to die when I'm in the food. I, I cannot do this. And I remember we have a, a certain kind of like quick store or quick shop here in Oklahoma that um, I used to go and buy a lot of my binge food at. And one of the reasons I used it is because it's got a zillion locations all over the city. And so I could, you know, spread my purchases out and, you know, nobody was the wiser. And I just remember, it, you know, driving past that particular quick shop or one of the locations, and they're all over town. And, um, you know, I wouldn't even be thinking about food, and all of a sudden I would look up and see that, and, and that voice in there in me said, pull over. And I, I cried. I, I literally did not want to eat. But I was compelled by that obsession, by the darkness, to pull over. And I would go in, buy more binge food, binge in my car like I always did. Um, and and I, I, just, I just remember the feeling of that darkness sucking me under and, and, and literally, you know, with the malevolence, you know, that, that wanted to take me away, wanted to kill me. Um, I, I am, you know, that is not solvable by some kind of human means. The only thing that I ever found that was a help to me are these 12 steps and a power bigger than me. Um, I found that when I embraced that, that the light was able to come in and dispel that darkness. But I, uh, besides that, I'm completely powerless um, over my disease. And there is nothing, including a sincere desire to stop eating that's going to help me. I'm beyond help, beyond human aid. And I, again, so grateful, so grateful for this program. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Renee A. Judy N., it's your turn, followed by Linda B. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, for me, the tragic truth is that when I am eating compulsively, compulsively overeating, I'm compulsive with everything else that's going on around me um, and my emotions. I am really uh, behaving in an insane way. I, I've lost my sanity once I get into the compulsive overeating. It leads to other things, and I do crazy stuff with the food and because my mind is irrational and uh, fanciful and my thoughts are racing and I'm getting nothing done, but I sure can come up with excuses um, when I don't show up and meet my responsibilities because um, I've become so unproductive and so withdrawn and just want to, you know, stay home and stay away from what ever um, is needed of me. So I, that's really the state I am. For me, it's a choice of, do I want to be living pretty much insane 
and crazy and uh, withdrawn, unproductive, and selfish. Well, um, there is there's a there's a way out for me, and I'm new back. I'm new back into the program. Forty two days of abstinence, and I feel like a different person. I I absolutely do, and that's because of God, because of working the program, working doing the work, and reconnecting, establishing a, a connection with my higher power, God. And praying to him and my wonderful sponsor uh, to guide me in every area of my life. And I am receiving discipline. And I'm receiving that ability to pause and think before I make a decision or to ask for guidance. And that sanity is, is back. I, I feel completely like a, like a different person. And I'm, I'm still recovering. And I'm, I know I'll never be cured, but I'm still in that process of recovering. But I feel, I can feel reality and I can address my feelings with God's help and with the help of uh, my sponsor and other fellows. And I just am so grateful for um, for the 12 steps for this program for all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy N. And Linda B., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Linda. Thank you. I'm Linda B, and I'm in London in the UK. And um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful to be here today. Um, and yeah, I wanted to share on this tragic truth. You know that this that I, I crossed this stage many, many years ago, and that's no surprise to me today. I've, I've you know, I've worked with steps, and I have an awareness of this. Um, but what I'm most grateful for is the reminder of that there are times, you know, I'm not going to have any mental defense against this when um, a build-up of human emotion comes on me. And the reminder that at that stage, I do need to be out of my own emotions. I've heard that today. Um, yesterday, I had a situation where with all my awareness, um, yeah, and, and really respect that I thought I had in my abstinence, there was a, a lack of respect for the build-up of human emotion and um, subtle as it is. Um, it came on me yesterday. I go to places where I see an illusion of a family life that, and it is an illusion of a family life that I kind of long for, and I think I'm okay. Um, and I'm not okay, and I'm, I've, I've acknowledged today with my sponsor and um, I'm acknowledging here that um, it's you know I've had a I've had a relapse of one meal a one meal relapse yesterday evening I don't know what that means for me um, I do know that it does mean you know it doesn't mean that I am it all all is lost um, it means that I I chose some things that were of a compulsive nature to me yesterday and it does it really for me I think grateful to hearing no shame this morning um, there is none. Um, this is a tragic illness. Um, I'm m- most grateful that there was a higher power, you know, has guided me to share here today and realise the importance of. I've shared it in in, in uh, fears and September already this morning, and shared it honestly with my sponsor and the connection that I have today with a higher power um, is, you know, guided that you know I already know. I already know that God did not desert me yesterday. 
Um, I just can see I can see that there are a few things I failed to do. Um, and yeah, I think that yeah, just really I suppose gratitude. So because I'm going to do that, that mental defence, I'm always going to need to do um, um, yes, yeah, some, some extra things sometimes when those illusions. And I knew I was going into it. I knew that that was, was something that happened to me, but I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't sensing it last night. Um, I just went and, and thought that I really had a respect for my current abstinence and the relationship that I had with with has been growing as a result this time round of working the steps. Um, so complacency, uh, you know, is there. But um, rather than beat myself up, I've done all the things I can do today. I'm on this line. I'm very, very grateful for the people that share here, honestly, and the way this this particular telephone line has opened up to me. Um, yeah, so I'll give that up. Thank you. Thank you, Linda B. We have time for a few more shares. Who would like to share this morning? Sue Ann W. Sue Ann W. Anyone else? I got you, Sue Ann. Thank you. Jim S. in Toledo. Lori Ann L. Lori H. Great. I think that will be our lineup for right now. I got Sue Ann W., Jim S., Lori Ann L., and Lori H. Please go ahead, Suzanne. Suzanne. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for your service. Um, I love everything in the big book. I really appreciate everybody just meeting for doing service by just being here. I want to say that I'm glad I'm teachable at this point. And I got into the food last night, and I'm really surprised, but not surprised at all. I was compelled to enter the kitchen where I have a list of 20 things that I could do instead of eating. Um, this is the tragic truth for me. This is a thinking disorder, and I'm very, very good at thinking, but this is not but this is actually a spiritual program, and I realize that I need to pray more and get closer to my higher power and ask for my serenity back. I can't blame anyone else. I am not totally surrendered, but that at least I'm honest about what I'm saying. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sue Ann W. Jim S., it's your turn, followed by Lori Ann. Please go ahead, Jim. Yeah, this is Jim S. in Toledo. Um, I had a dream yesterday that I was behaving the way I'm supposed to. And um, I woke up, and my family's all together here, Um we have visitors from Florida. And um, with this mindset, um, and I shared it with my family that I had this dream that I was doing right, that I was behaving right. And um, so it opened up a new monologue in, in, um, in our family, and we were able to come together 
and help one another. And um, yesterday, then when I got up, I went back to my dysfunctional self. And when I began to think about it, um, I realized that if I put myself back in the state of mind that I was uh, the other night after that dream, that if I rely on others in the family to help me and I can help them, then we're going to do just fine. And this is after I had a binge to end all binges. Um, I don't understand why God would give me such understanding, but I'm accepting it. And um, I guess you could say I had a spiritual awakening, and it was a free gift. Um, So I'm not going to think about anything other than um, what I've been thinking, and I'm going to go to work and have a good day and come home and and put myself in the family as just another member of the family and um, communicate with them and get the help I need and just go on one day at a time. I'm going to continue with that. Then I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jim S. Laurie L., it's your turn, followed by Laurie H. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Lorianne. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, first time sharing on this meeting. I've been listening for five years. I've been in OA for five years. Uh, what I, the message I want to get out is I spent five years in this program lying and manipulating because of this disease. Um, I tried to convince myself that I could continue to eat uh, what everyone else ate. I was really angry that I could not partake, come from a big Italian family, and uh, there's a lot of eating. (laughs) Um, A little nervous. I I just want to make my point. It wasn't until... Just recently, July 8th, I decided that at 400 pounds and losing the ability to walk, I was desperate. That was a gift. It got me to tell my sponsor that I was lying to her for two years after COVID. I had put on like 80 pounds after COVID because no one could see me. I went crazy. Couldn't stop eating. I didn't want to stop eating. That was the truth. I did not want to stop. Once I stopped ingesting sugar and flour, I started uh, working with the sponsor and and, uh, line for line going through the big book. And then something miraculous happened when I let go and I let go. I just started releasing so much weight. I don't know how much, I don't know, I don't really know how much I weigh. It's just not the point. The point is, I'm, I'm, I feel like I got over to the other side because I put the food down and I surrendered. I hope this helps someone. Thank you. Thank you, Lori Ann L. And Lori H., it's your turn. Please go ahead. 
Good morning, family. My name is Lori H. And uh, it's my first time sharing. I've been listening for a really long time. I've been in relapse for this many months and um, in a state of hopelessness and helplessness. And today, as I walk out into the sunlight at base, say, eight, um, I am reminded of uh, just how beautiful everything is around me when I focus on the good stuff and I'm not focused on the food and I'm not running and hiding, but I am willing to face um, life as it is. And today is a beautiful day of possibility and life is going to get better and better. I, um, I'm going to the doctor today and I will face, you know, whatever consequences from, from these past few months of eating. And I can just say this, you know, um, stuff got very tragic around me. So anybody uh, who isn't one of us would have been like, oh, yeah, I would have gone for the food. But, you know, they're not one of us. And um, if I am looking for an excuse, I will always find one. It is not these circumstances that uh, caused me to pick up the food. It's that I was looking at my, you know, my spiritual sickness, my dependence on things human. I knew people would understand. And, uh, and I told myself that it was okay, but it wasn't. Because not only did I hurt myself, but I hurt those around me by not being present for them. And somebody almost lost their life, could have lost their life at my job the other day because I was in a food fog and I was not real present. You know, I should have called an ambulance right away, and I didn't. And that's, you know, something I never thought could happen. I never thought that, that me being in the food could actually kill someone else as a result. But today, the stark reality is not just myself. I'm not only hurting myself and taking a time out and taking a break from life. I am, you know, hurting others. And I don't want to do that today. I'm here to love everybody, and I love all of you. Nobody told you today. We love you. Thank you, and I hope you keep coming back like I do because uh, I know I'm going to recover. God is good. Thank you. Thank you, Lori H., and thank you to everyone who shared and our team Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, Wednesday, August the 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 19324. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Christina L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Uh, good morning. This is Christina L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.
podcast.